It's Friday, November 9th, 2012. Welcome to Insert Content Here. Insert Content Here. Words intentionally unclear. Insert Content Here. Hi, I'm Jeff Eaton, a senior architect at Lullabot, uh, your host, and um, today on Insert Content Here, we've got a special guest, a good friend, uh, Karen McGrain. Um, I I can't say enough. She she's one of the one of the fixtures of the uh, information architecture and content strategy world. She um, she started out as a UX and um, information architecture guru at Razorfish. Um, then she founded um, Bond Art and Science uh, in 2006, and uh, she's been a prolific writer and speaker um, on user experience, uh, content strategy, information architecture issues. Um, and now she's also, as of I think uh, last week, um, the author of Content Strategy for Mobile by um, A Book Apart, um, which I have to say is, is a real, real gem. Um, so welcome to the show and, uh, hello. You, for, you forgot to mention that I'm the president of the Jeff Eaton fan club. <laughs> I, I, I don't think that's like officially on the resume right now. So I, I, I did skim over that, but well, thank you. Um, so hello. Hello. <clears throat> um, yeah, it's, I have to say, um, we've, we've actually known each other for quite a few years. We, we got a chance to work on, uh, several projects, um, Boy. Right, I think I think you met me through my wireframes. Yes, that yeah, that, that's what I always said. I, I I said these are just spectacular wireframes, and someone actually thought about taxonomy, the meaning of it, the 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 heart of what taxonomy really means before these wireframes were made, and 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 then we ended up meeting, and and the rest was history. And the rest is history. And then it was like, hey, wait a minute, what if we just sat around having drinks instead of communicating through wireframes? And, and that's actually it, been a lot better. It sped things up quite a bit. Um, <laughs> um, I, I have to say, um, your new book, uh, Content Strategy for Mobile, um, I, I think is really, really, it's interesting and it's important. And we've talked a lot about, you know, some of the meat of, of what's in it, um, you know, over the past couple of years. But um, just real quickly, what do you think, how did you, how did you get into uh, mobile content strategy? Because I know that wasn't, you know, I mean, I don't think anybody's been doing that for an extremely long time. It's, it's, it's still sort of a, a growing, you know, discipline. But what, what, what got you heading in that direction? It was you. I, I blame you. Uh, don't, don't you remember that we, we spoke at that conference in Chicago in, I think it was June of, of 20, last oh, year, yes. 2011? Yeah, the, the web content The web uh, content conference. conference. Yes. And uh, the theme of the conference was making the most of mobile. And every chance I get to, to do a talk with Jeff Eaton, I, I take the opportunity. And so we decided we'd do this mobile content talk extravaganza. And I remember... I remember us trying to bat ideas around on email and both of us were like, hey, you know, it'd be really a lot easier about this is if either one of us knew anything about mobile. <laughs> well, wow, we've just uh, pulled the curtain back. <laughs> well, I think, you know, honestly, I, I say that to people that that going into 
the the conversations about mobile content at that time, I felt really intimidated. I felt really like, oh my goodness, like there must be all this expertise and all these answers out there for what organizations should be doing to publish content to to mobile devices. And and then I realized like, oh wait a minute. Everybody feels daunted and terrified and confused by what they're going to do on mobile. And, you know, it's like if people like you and me are like, wow, we haven't figured this out yet. We think about this stuff all the time. This is what, what we do all day long. And I've realized how many potential you know, clients, organizations out there are, are genuinely struggling with figuring out what's the right strategy, how do they prioritize, what do they do to, to set up their internal processes and workflow to manage content that's going to show up in multiple places well? And then what's going to have to change in their technology arch- architecture? And so that's really, you know, it's like I, I after giving that, that talk with you, I think I, I got the bug. I was so excited by all of the opportunities out there and felt like, wow, this is a really interesting problem that I'm excited to solve. Well, that. I, I, I wasn't shilling for that, but uh, it, no, I mean, I, I think it was very interesting. I remember a lot of the research that we were doing going into that, and it just felt like there wasn't really, uh, th- there weren't any like really coherent systematic answers to a lot of the challenges of, you know, how you tackle this stuff. And I think, you know, both of our, you know, both of the, the clients that both of us worked with at the time were really starting to, to feel the pain of that as they started looking towards doing mobile. And, um, I mean, at the time, at least in, in the CMS world, you know, all of the hot solutions basically boiled down to, you know, reform, you know, services that reformatted your website for mobile, um, or providing like an alternate redirect to your mobile site. And at the time, you know, those, that was how you did it. And as those solutions started really showing their age, I think there were a lot of outstanding question marks. Yeah, I think it's a. This is a, a problem that most organizations are going to be wrestling with in you know over the next three to five years. I think, mm-hmm. and I I think for a lot of companies it's going to take that long just to get a solid base of content down. Just just to achieve what I think everybody's immediate term goal should be, which is is as Brad Frost likes to say, content parity. Meaning, you should be able to provide an essentially equivalent experience on mobile. It doesn't have to be exactly the same content presented exactly the same way, but the idea that you can that that your mobile problems are solved by delivering this tiny subset of content and features is is just a myth. Mm-hmm. And so I think, and you know, even achieving that, even achieving. Okay, well, we have a baseline of content that we're publishing to the desktop. Let's just figure out how to get that stuff or, or the good part of that stuff. Let's just figure out how to get that on mobile. That that alone is going to be a vexing problem that's going to take some organizations several years to sort through. Well, but, you know, you, you say, oh, well, we can't just, you know, provide a, a limited, you know, a limited feature set for, you know, on mobile phones or something like that. But is, isn't that perfectly fine? You know, couldn't, if I think, you know, if, if I have a, a news site, you know, maybe, maybe my mobile users are just people who are, you know, on the go and they're in an airport and they, they want to read the top five news stories and, you know, jump on their plane. Why wouldn't that be, wouldn't, isn't that a good solution? I think that, I, I mean, I think that the <coughs> issue that we're addressing here is probably, um, 
one of the most hotly debated issues. And I think I, I think what people like me and maybe a lot of other people working in the mobile space are trying to address is the idea that that that's a myth. And and you hear it so much. People are just you know I've, I've gotten feedback on my book from people who are just like, well, no, you're completely missing the point here. Mobile is supposed to be this stripped down experience because it's a tiny screen and people want less stuff. And, you know, what you should do is you should figure out what the mobile context is for your organization and then you should just deliver that. And the problem with that is that it just doesn't align with the reality of how people use their mobile devices. The, the, I mean, and it's like you can see this in your own behavior and I certainly see it in the data that I've seen from lots of organizations. People don't choose the device that they're going to use to access information um, based on any anything really other than the fact that it's that's the device that they have handy, yeah. and there's just tons of of information and tons of anecdotal data that show people really expect to get the exact same stuff on mobile. They're not they're not thinking to themselves, oh, I have a tiny screen here, so I want just a snack sized version of the content. They're saying whatever it is that I want, I want it right now, and I want it from the device that I have in my hand. Uh, yes. Well, I mean, I, I've actually seen a lot of the same things with myself, you know, like there are websites that I use for certain tasks, not because those are mobile tasks, but because those are the only ones that I can really effectively do on the website with my phone. There are certain things that I'm forced to go to the desktop for. And I wonder if, um, a lot of us have looked at, you know, analytics data and stuff like that over the past couple of years and said, oh, well, people only use mo our mobile site for X and Y and Z because those are the only things they can really effectively use it for. And they're forced to the desktop site for, for other tasks. Right. Jason Grigsby has a fantastic quote that you, know, you can't predict future behavior from a current user experience that sucks. <laughs> and I think it's true. I think a lot of people are guessing about what they think users want from mobile, but they're basing it on inaccurate data or inaccurate assumptions around what people are doing now, but that's it's not that's not giving you the full picture because there's just so many things that they physically cannot do well right now. And so, and I, I think you've seen this with lots of other technologies. It's like people might really be happy to do that if you gave them a way to do that, that was, that was easy and designed for the device. So don't assume that you can get away with just delivering this paltry subset of your content or your services, just because you're assuming that the only, you know, that, that, all anybody wants is some is some on the go functionality. Well, that that's actually interesting. I mean, it how do we approach figuring out you know th those kinds of numbers? You know, what what if if we assume that a lot of the mobile experience is broken today um and we can't really trust, you know, what people are currently doing on our site from mobile um with what they would do if uh if it were uh not even tailored but just usable and you know accessible how do we how do we discover like where the low-hanging fruit is how do we how do we figure out what we can't see yeah that's a great question and i think it's a, a difficult one for every company and i think for every company it's going to require some priority you know some strategizing and some brainstorming and some soul searching and so I'll say I limit my discussion when I'm talking about this really to content. And I think there probably are, are different ways that you would think about prioritizing transactional functionality or, or other features. But 
when you're thinking about content, I think the, in my mind, the primary lens through which you should be evaluating what you do first is let's think about the the process that you're putting in place around what your editorial workflow is going to be and how your CMS is going to handle publishing content to multiple platforms. That's, it's really, instead of, I, I, I would caution organizations to say, don't just jump right into imagining what you think the ideal experience for users will be. I mean, that's, that's important, but it is crucially important that you ground that in an understanding of what it's going to take for your content creators or your business owners to maintain that content and what whether your CMS actually has the capabilities and the flexibility to deliver that content to different platforms. And the and, and this this gets tricky because it's like there's a lot of situations where you might you might go into it you know trying to be as responsible as responsible as possible and say yes, I do want to deliver the same content as I have on my desktop. And then once you start picking through your content, you see a million cases where you're like, oh, but wait a minute, this isn't going to work and that's going to link to a desktop application and this content just isn't going to make sense on mobile. And, and, so this, you, and this has a six-inch wide table. Right, exactly. And oh, snap, I wish we hadn't invested so much money in interactive infographics built in Flash. Mm-hmm. And so then you start thinking, okay, well, I have to provide alternate versions for for those content elements, which I think is is the right solution, or it, or it's a it's a strategy that organizations will have to think through. But the risk is that you set yourself up for something that's death by a million paper cuts, and you know every single time you're saying to yourself, oh, let's let's come up with an alternative there, and oh, well, we'll make an exception in just this one case and do something special for mobile. And all of a sudden you backed into uh, essentially building an entirely separate site for mobile, and you haven't planned for what it's going to take to maintain that site and what the amount of effort is on the back end to deliver it. Ah, yes. The, uh, The dreaded, and now we have a second parallel website, and we didn't even intend to scenario. Right. And who can maintain a separate parallel website? Clearly, people with lots and lots of interns. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, I, I look at so many companies today where I'm like, you can't even keep up with what you should be doing on your desktop website. And yeah. and so, for one, one, I think, really positive and helpful thing that can come out of this is hopefully encouraging organizations to do less. And, you know, people like to talk about the mobile-first mindset and saying... You know, let's let's deliver. Let's not clutter up our mobile screens with all this crud that that clutters up the desktop. And my mantra there is: well, if it doesn't deserve to be on mobile, it probably doesn't deserve to be on the desktop either. And so, what that might mean is a a real positive process that an organization can go through to go. Wait a minute, let's get rid of some of this garbage and streamline and simplify our content management and maintenance processes overall. And you know what? That's a better user experience too. Yeah, it does seem like in the past, you know, past several years, you know, a lot of websites have sort of drifted towards a a portal look from the, you know, from the old days when everything was like a giant cluster of, you know, little little blocks and modules with, you know, all sorts of news items, you know, flickering by and it does seem like there's 
there's a definite trend towards a cleaner, more streamlined look that puts the primary content that people are trying to get out there up front. Uh, do you think that's been influenced by mobile at least? I think so. I think the there are I've heard tons of anecdotal examples of sites that have gotten simpler and mobile is the driving force behind it. Like I, I've got a quote in my book that that you know justifiably mocked the restaurant industry for having <laughs> websites and the ones that that you see that are clean and, and simple and prioritize the right information, like their hours and their their menus. Uh, people say that the, the reason that they've done that is they, they wanted to make sure that they were getting the traffic that's coming in from mobile devices. Interesting. Very interesting. I so believe that one of the things we're going to see in the next couple of years is that organizations that put together a mobile-optimized site – that is makes the mobile experience simple and easy to use are going to have their their users their customers come back to them and say why can't the desktop site be as simple as the mobile site I, i've read some some research recently um from a couple user experience people at wells fargo that says they did some usability testing on their transactional uh, mobile transactional applications for banking and they said that they thought what they were going to see is people you know, out in airports and restaurants realizing that they had to do some banking. And what they found is that these were mostly people who were sitting in their home or office with easy access to a desktop computer who were choosing to use the mobile experience. And, you know, I think that that is feedback or that is an insight that a lot of organizations are going to get that they're going to go, oh, my goodness, right. Users actually prefer it when we give them a simpler experience. Who would have thought? Would have thunk it. It's uh, there's actually a couple of questions that have come in uh, over Twitter that I think are, are definitely interesting for this. Um, Twitter <clears throat> hard questions for this conversation. I'm it's off. Um, one of the one of the questions comes in. Uh, someone's uh, Larry Garfield, uh, actually one of the uh, core developers for the Drupal project, asks, um, "How do you provide a UI for manipulating content that is useful?" and doesn't commingle the design because this is something that i think you've talked about in your you know war of the you know war of the blobs versus the chunks um discussions you know the the idea of heavy reliance on WYSIWYG being a real hindrance to um to adapting to mobile but how how what what kind of challenges does that end up bringing up for user user interaction for the actual content editors yeah Larry, that is a great question, and I think a really difficult one for for many organizations. And I, you know, I think the the underlying philosophy there is, you know, as you said, Jeff, the the idea that instead of giving content authors a giant blob with a WYSIWYG toolbar at the top and telling them that they can dump whatever they want, whatever formatting and styling and you know, float the text to the right and make it purple comic sans. Instead, we have to give them appropriately chunked interfaces that guide them to enter just the right information and just the right metadata in the right fields or, or the right, you know, whatever, whatever, however you chunk things out. And so the solution to that is an activity that we in the content strategy world call content modeling, 
which is that you have to be able to go in and deeply understand the content types that each organization wants to publish and figure out what the right structure is to build into that that content model. And it's hard. I mean, uh, it, it's something that it's like too little structure means that you wind up with blobs that have formatting in it, but too much structure means that you've got you know, dozens of fields littered across the screen and content authors complain because the interface is too hard to use. And, you know, too few content types means that you are forcing too many things to sit in the same generic template. Too many content types means that the editing process is too confusing and users aren't, users don't always know what the right template is for their particular problem. It's a, it's a balance between flexibility on the one hand and, and constraints on the other. But honestly, I think too many bad content management implementations today err on the side of essentially giving their content authors one giant blob and saying, sure, yeah, you can dump whatever you want in there. It'll be great. The downside there is that when you try to go to mobile or try to go to any other platform, the fact that you built so much just generic flexibility into the system means that you don't have the right structures to enable that, that content to be presented in different ways. And so paradoxically, adding some more constraints, adding you know, some more structure into that content actually gives you more flexibility. It's a really interesting challenge. And I think one of the things that comes through is in, in, in that answer is that there's no silver bullet. It's not like, oh, well, 12 field. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a process that you, you really need to understand and, and be very sympathetic to the editorial workflow and the human side of the process. Going in and treating the users of the CMS like they are users of any other enterprise system and working with them to understand their workflow, both online and offline, helping to understand their mental model of how the content is structured and what their task is, and then ideally designing a system, designing a tool that helps them complete their task, that facilitates what they want to get done. And, you know, that's, that basic, you know, that's empathy and, and really understanding, looking at it from the perspective of the human, to not force the human to, co- to conform to the way the tool works, but rather to understand how the, how the human system operates and design a tool around to, that facilitates that. What a novel concept, designing tools for people. Somebody should, somebody should really start promoting that concept more. <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about this lately, um, both after reading your book and um, the the iPad Mini. It's it just feels like one one of many different developments in this. It, it feels like even the definition of what constitutes mobile is blurring in uncomfortably um, <laughs> uncomfortable and confusing ways for a lot of people. Tablet computers that people use while they're on the go that have larger screens pixel for pixel than laptop computers that they use on their desk for their day-to-day work. There are um, living room screens that um, have a smaller pixel density than those tablets, but are displayed on like, you know, a 50 inch, you know, wall. I mean, it, it feels like there's just this, a ridiculous explosion in the different kinds of form factors and even the user interaction 
approaches that different devices have, and it doesn't seem like that progression is slowing down. Do you feel like a lot of the same issues that are being raised by mobile are important to this this concept of like a multi-channel, multi-device um, world that we're slowly moving into? Yeah, I think mobile is a little bit of a misnomer in that so many of the devices that we're, we're thinking about publishing to are, are totally not mobile. Um, you know, the, the smart TV is a great example. People are always fond of talking about the, the connected kitchen where content could appear on your refrigerator or, you know, what if your cooktop was a giant iPad screen or even thinking ahead to the, the post screen interface, the post screen feature is something I've been fond of talking about lately. What happens when one day speech based inter- interfaces really become a viable solution? And it's like, we laugh at Siri now, but you know, good long time, 20 years or so touch screens were also laughable. And when one day touchscreen worked perfectly and it changed the way that we interact with all sorts of devices. And I think a lot of people are hypothesizing that speech-based interfaces will eventually hit that point. And so the, the question for everybody is, okay, what, whatever that new device or platform is, is your content going to be ready to go there? And I think for what I've been, what I'm trying to talk about in my book is to say, your job is to set your content up for success by thinking about how you structure it and how you write it for reuse and how you get all that presentation formatting out of it. And that, that's, the, that's the, the, the work that you can do now to set your content up to be as flexible and free as possible in the future. Time you put now into planning ahead to say, we're not quite sure where our content's going to go live in the future, but like to do the work to give it a, give it a fighting shot, that, that work's going to pay off. A lot of the high-profile conversations are, are very heavy on the, on the concept of multi-channel. Like, you know, oh, well, we're doing an iPad app, and we've got a responsive website, and we've got a you know, desktop website that, you know, it's tailored for, like, giant screens, and, and then we're also doing a print publication and stuff like that. You know, organizations that have those kinds of challenges, I think, are very interesting problems to to talk about and to analyze, but there's a lot of organizations out there that, you know, as you've, as you've said before, are just barely able to wrap their hands around their desktop website right now. Are there any first steps that you would recommend for an organization that's in that position? What are the first steps on this, on this kind of transformation? So I, I, I don't want to scare people off with my (laughs) TV analogies too much because I think, you know, it's like, I'm not outlining this approach and then pointing fingers and saying, oh, you should feel really bad about yourself if you if you haven't figured out your whole mobile strategy yet. In fact, lots of data from lots of organizations show that most people are really just getting started here. And so and I want to say, it's like, that's why you call it a strategy. It's not about being there right now. It's about having a plan in place and a long-term vision so that you know where you want to wind up. And you can start taking steps, even if they're baby steps, to get to start moving in that direction. And so I think for most organizations at this point, they should be looking pretty closely at their at their mobile traffic. And you know, I think a lot of companies right now are probably starting to see double digit percentages of traffic coming in from mobile devices. And in my mind, it's like that's the point where you should 
should have your strategy defined and you should be starting to move on it. And so, you know, I think, I think the, the, the baby step, or the, the first initial step that most organizations need to, need to think through is where do we want to wind up on mobile? Like, can we define what needs to happen with our content, either from a, a content strategy or what we're publishing standpoint and from a content management standpoint of what, what is going to have to happen in our workflow and our technology to support that. So it's like, define that vision, define that picture of what you want the end state to look like. That's, that's the first step. And then second, I think doing some work to educate your organization and kind of do the foundation work. So I think every organization would benefit from doing a content inventory and a content audit, particularly with an eye to mobile. And, and I want to reassure everybody, I'm not saying that you should be publishing special content for mobile or that I think you should be delivering, delivering different content on mobile, but you can go through and, and audit your content with an eye to saying, do we think this deserves to be on a mobile device or is this written appropriately in a way that, you know, is it, is it flabby or jargony or is it, you know, badly written? Maybe we want to clean this up before we take it to mobile. Are there content elements like flash videos or giant tables that we need to be aware of that might not translate so well to mobile? Doing that kind of inventory and audit is a great step and that's something that you can do right now. Similarly, educating your organization on what the state of the art is in mobile, I think is super important. And in many ways, it's like there's not a lot of great stuff being done. So if you can kind of set expectations like, okay, we want to, we would like to ex exceed this bar. This is not what we're shooting for. But one of the things I, I think I get a sense of from many executives within organizations is that there's just they just have this like digital fatigue. It's like the pace of change in this space keeps happening and it's like, oh God, mobile, really? Now I gotta like care about this too. And so I think one of the biggest challenges is saying, how do I make these feel people feel comfortable and confident in the decisions that they're gonna have to make? And how do I make them not feel stupid? that they've missed the boat on mobile, but instead say, hey, I'm going to educate you as to what's going on in this space, what works and what doesn't in mobile, so that when it comes time to make choices about what they do and, and how it should work and function, they feel good about making those decisions. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, I I want to say thank you very much for uh, for joining us. If, if someone wants to get the, the full Karen McGrain brain dump on mobile issues and content strategy, What's the next step? I would suggest that they buy my book. A content strategy for mobile. Sounds good. I just want to say thank you for joining us. It's always a pleasure. Congratulations on your new book, and uh, definitely look forward to hearing more from the uh, hearing more from you about the uh, the crazy content adventures you're on. Thanks for having me on the show. It is always a pleasure to talk to you.